Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everybody. How are you today? Welcome to the latest installment of the Man Cave Huddle, and I am your host, Greg. Where today, we're going to talk about sports, sports, and a little bit more sports. I know sometimes I talk about entertainment and culture, but today, it's going to be straight up sports. But, um, you know, just to warm everybody up. Doesn't it feel good outside wherever you are in the country? The weather's getting warmer, parts of the country are opening up. Some ple- some places are even relaxing the mandate of wearing face masks. I know the gym that I go to, now it's optional if you want to wear a face mask or not. And whew, some of the faces people make, you know, when they're grunting and, 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 you know, the mean face that they make when they make when they lift the heavy weights, it's like, yo, man, put that face mask on, B. But, but anyway, you know, um, it's just good. I don't want to say we're fully back to normal, but it just feels good where like sometimes you could be out in public and not wear a face mask and actually feel like it did pre-pandemic. So now, as we get to the business at hand, let me just adjust my microphone here on the ones and twos. I want to bust the move. No, I don't know how to rap. I don't take... Okay. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that better? Can you hear me better? Hold on. Okay, you can hear me good? You can hear me good? Okay, good. Thank you. All right, so um, for today's episode, I wanted to talk about a major change in college football, and I wanted to talk about the NBA playoffs. Before I start with um, college football, just a brief nugget with the NBA playoffs. It's been thrown out there a lot this past week that Donovan Mitchell, who is a really good player, he's a great player, is the best player in Utah Jazz history of all time. And when I heard that, I said, what about Stockton and Malone? (laughs) I mean, you know, Carl Malone was the quintessential definition of what a power forward is, and Stockton was the quintessential definition of what a point guard was in the 90s, that is. And the game has changed, and it's evolved. But... To sit there and say that those two who made back-to-back NBA Finals runs and they just happened to meet a juggernaut of a team in the Chicago Bulls where Donovan Mitchell, he hasn't accomplished that. And when you look at his numbers statistically, he's getting up there. But when you really talk about like being one of the greatest, he's so young in his career. I just feel like nowadays when we see talent, we say it's the best that we've ever seen. And it's like when you say the best that you've ever seen, greatness is doing something real good over a long period of time. I mean, Stockton, you knew every game he was going to get at least 10 to 15 assists. And Carl Malone, you knew, was going to get damn near 28, 25, if not 30 points. And... Out of Stockton's 15 assists, 10 of them would be to Carl Malone on that pick and roll. But the point that I'm trying to make is I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is not great. He's not talented. That's not what I'm saying. I just need to see more of a sample size because I feel like I just got a mouthful. I need the entree before I make that decision. But he's good. I'm not trying to dispute that. But what I really wanted to get to here is college football and one of the major changes that they've made. Now, it hasn't been, and it's not official yet, 
but this is the plan that they have in place and it looks like it could be what's going to happen it just needs to be voted on and cleared and all the logistics of red tape needs to be um worked out but what college football is doing is is that um they want to expand to a 12 team college football playoff now the way it's going to work is the six highest ranked conference champions are going to be the top six seeds. And then there's going to be six at-large bids to make the other six teams. Now, the four highest-ranked conference champions would earn a first-round bye. So basically what you're saying is, you know, your SEC, your ACC, your Big Ten, and um, your Big you know Big 12 maybe. Because that, that, those teams are like the ones that are always in there. And um, let me see here. So um, we also go with the next four highest ranked teams. They would host the nine through 12 seeds. So what's going to happen is, is that pretty much the um, those guys that are the basic, the, 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 the conference champions are going to have a first round bye, And then the seeds right after that, they're going to host the nine through 12 seeds. And after the first round, which all the home, which will be home games for that higher ranked seed, all the games would be placed at a neutral site to kind of preserve the integrity of the bowls and still have the bowls in play. And you're not doing away with the bowls. Now, I'm sure people are saying, all right, it's good that we're going from four because it feels as though that it's the same four teams every year. It's Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and that fourth team is a mixture of Oklahoma, Georgia, or a team out of nowhere that has a really good year that can't be denied, let's say, a Notre Dame, as, as an example. But it just feels like it's the same four teams every year. And what was happening is, is that all these college recruits are saying to themselves, if I want to win a national championship, if I want to get the best coaching, if I want to get the most exposure, there's only four programs in the country that I want to have on my list. And now it became such a domino effect to where it's just like boring because you're, it's, it's like you're watching the same team, but a different version year after year after year after year. And I think that was one major reason why they wanted to change the, the, the format and expand from four to 12. But also, you know, I mean... I, I, as you grow older in life and you have certain life experiences and things that they really can't tell you in a book that you kind of learn just through life. One of them is whenever things happen like this, always follow the money because the money's going to tell you what's really going on. Now, currently ESPN is paying 470 million annually to broadcast the college football playoffs and the New Year's Six bowl games. So that's seven games, and three have an effect on a national championship game. Because basically, you know, the first game of the, the Final Four, and then the championship game. So the expansion would feature 11 games, all of which would have an effect on the championship game. Because now, you're not going to have bowl games just to say, teams had a good season, we're going to put you in a bowl. 
Now you're going to have games where it's like, look, these 12 teams, and you never know. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament. You could say, ah, but that's a 12 seed. Hey, we've had every year in the college tournament, we all know the 12-5 upset happens almost every year. It's a guarantee. Now that it's more so of a playoff type of situation, and it's not you have to win two games. You have to win a couple games now. Now it's not the best team that's going to win. It's who's playing best that day. Now, in the end, when you talk about how much money ESPN is paying for those six games, and now we're doubling it, all I'm saying is I am not a mathematician, and I don't claim to be the sharpest knife in the, the culinary shed, okay? But if we're doubling up the games and these games have more value, I can see whomever network is going to be carrying these games going to say, look, we're going to pay you NCAA a billion dollars to carry the, the, the playoffs? I'll tell you this much. There's a couple things with this where it's like, if you're going to put that much money, the teams that make it and qualify, I mean, they're going to make this into like movies, like NFL playoffs every weekend. Now you sit there and say to yourself, like, who's going to want to watch, right? So I I, I have a, a little situation here where I took a picture of what the, under the proposed new rules, what it would have looked like this past year. So in the first round, you would have Cincinnati hosting Georgia. You would have had Notre Dame hosting 12 seed Coastal Carolina. Notre Dame is a five seed. I'm sorry. Cincinnati's eight. Georgia's a nine. Uh, five seed Notre Dame would host 12 seed Coastal Carolina. Six seed Texas A&M would have hosted Indi- 11 seed Indiana. 12 seed Florida would host 10 seed Iowa State. And then obviously the winner of Cincinnati and Georgia would play number one Alabama. The winner of Notre Dame and Coastal Carolina would play four seed Oklahoma. Texas A&M Indiana would play the number three seed. That winner would play three seed Ohio State. Florida State Iowa State would play the the winner of that game would play the number two seed Clemson and then from those games you would get the the final four and then you would obviously move on to the finals but what it does now is a team a team like it Notre Dame who is not in a conference and is an independent that was getting hurt with the last final four format where it was basically at-large bids, but they really wanted to have teams that had conference champions in there. This allows teams like a Coastal Carolina, like a Notre Dame, or a team out of nowhere that's having a really good year, not to be, or UCF a couple years ago, when they went undefeated, teams like that, to have a shot to at least be in the big dance. Now, what hurts Notre Dame is, is that the highest seed they can ever get is a five seed. But the benefit is, is that it's a home game on campus. Follow the money, that's more money in their pockets. And as we know, Notre Dame likes their money. But, you know, what I like about this is that now certain teams, you can't sit there and say, we need a miracle and be undefeated to qualify for the playoffs. Now you can have a good season and legitimately qualify with an outlaw bitch and then, you know, get in there and do what you do. 
But I think it's it's it, it's a cool little setup. I think it could work. Obviously, there's always going to be people that complain and say, "Why didn't this team get in? Why didn't that team get in?" But I think that noise might be hushed a little bit more with 12 teams as opposed to four. Because when you have four teams, you have like what half the country upset. But now you got 12 teams. It's like okay, I could see these teams and what teams I want to see and what teams I don't want to see. So uh, moving along, let's talk about the NBA for a minute here. Now, with the playoffs here, live, full, and, you know, they're in full gusto, as they say. Um, you know, just some news and notes about what's going on in the league where they play for pay. Now, there was a situation in this past um, Brooklyn Nets-Milwaukee Bucks game where Kevin Durant was fouled a little bit hard. Not hard, but it was just chest bump and, you know, skip. It's getting chippy. It's the playoffs. It's what happens. So he didn't like he, how he got fouled. He had something to say. Dude had something to say back to him. And, you know, they face-to-face, nose-to-nose. Now this is the fight. Now we all know anybody that steps off the, off the bench that is a player gets suspended. The only people that are allowed to break up a fight are coaches and the players that are on the court. Now, Kevin Durant's personal bodyguard ran up on the court and basically was doing what security guards do, breaking up the fracas. But the problem is this. He is not a coach or a player, man. I have never heard of a situation where a bodyguard runs out under the court to defend his client. Now, the NBA has clapped back and has suspended this dude from being in the building at Milwaukee. And I'm sure it's going to happen when they play in Brooklyn. And I'm glad they acted as quickly as they could. Because all I'm saying is this. What you don't want is one of these rookies having their boys as a security guard. And you don't want somebody getting jumped on the court. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds stupid. But there's some dudes that don't know no better. And they sit there and say, look, I don't like the way you're touching my man. Man, get off the court. Bip, bip, take that two-piece with you. And next thing you know, somebody's got NBA players getting stomped out by three or four dudes on the court in front of the TV. That's almost reality TV right there. But anyway, um, also some other news with uh, Brooklyn that concerns me a little bit is James Harden, that hamstring injury. Now, he isn't the reason why they lost the last game. But what I will say is they're going to need him in the Eastern Conference Finals and they're going to need him in the NBA Finals. And that hamstring, the only thing with his game is this. He's not the athlete where he's twerking his body and doing a lot of rigorous things. But the thing that might be taken away is his ability to drive to the rack and get and draw those fouls the way that he does. So in saying that, with the talent that he has on his team, he might need to just shut it down or throttle it down and be more of a distributor as opposed to a option to score or needing the, the Nets needing him to score. I think they might need to go in another direction. But it's all dependent on how his injury feels and how he's playing. Now, with the speaking of the injuries, with the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, guard Danny Green, he's going to be out two weeks with a calf injury. That kind of hurts a little bit because I know you got Seth Curry, but you want at least as much shooters that you could put on the court to create space so Joel and B could get busy in the middle. So we'll see how that how how Philly deals with that. Now, um 
the good news for Philly is is that you know off of their 127-111 win in Atlanta, they take a 2-1 lead in that series. So they look like they're in position to try and really take a hold with their next game. Um, the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets, I mean, the Suns, they took a commanding 3-0 lead. And Devin Booker, for the first time in the NBA playoffs, looks like he might be booking his ticket to the Western Conference Finals. And you know what they say, in the regular season, you make your name. In the postseason, you make your fame. And Devin Booker is definitely doing that. He's showing up and giving people all the barbecue chicken that they want each and every game. Now, when you, let's talk about the Utah Jazz and the LA Clippers. The first couple games, Utah Jazz, it was cooking. I'm talking, how would you like your barbecue chicken? Would you like it with, with uh, hot sauce? Or would you like it with the honey barbecue? Because we serving them up. Now, the Clippers, they clap back in game three. With a 132-106 victory, first win of the series, so now it's 2-1. And this is pretty much how it went last time when they played in Dallas. So the thing is with the Clippers, they kind of have that we've been here before. Now with Utah, they have the talent. They have everything. It's just the mental toughness because I think with the Clippers, they're going to try and muck up the game and turn it into a ball fight. And Donovan Mitchell, he's just going to do what he does and put buckets up. I think it's going to be about the, the what happens with the Clippers because the Jazz, they look like they poise, they play defense, they got the scoring, they got options, they got everything that you need. So we'll see what happens with the NBA playoffs as they move on, as they say. But as I end this episode, I like to end all of my episodes with a positive quote. My positive quote in this episode is, trust the process and allow yourself room to grow. Trust the process and allow yourself room to grow thank you for listening bye bye everybody <laughs>